I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to season three of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and today I'm excited to bring with you this team of people with me, Matthew Aguilar. What up? Janelle Wheeler. Hey, everybody. And bringing out the big guns today, Mr. Turn Up himself, Charlie Ridgely, <laughs> is back with us. What's up, everybody? And guys, we got some big things to talk about today. Man, it feels good to be back. We got big things to talk about once again. Marvel movies are back in theaters and at home, so we have to talk about Black Widow. We're going to go into Black Widow and Marvel's Black Widow, but don't worry, because we're going to go full spoilers on that, so we're going to save that. So later in the show, so we can go full spoilers. So anybody who has not seen the film yet, either at home or out in theaters, whatever your plans are, you guys can save that for later and and kind of just avoid that hop off. Maybe if we're going to be talking full Black Widow spoilers. But if you are down and have seen the movie, we are going in. So be sure to stay tuned for our Black Widow spoilers discussion. But Marvel's done a lot this week, so we have a lot to talk about. We're going to get into that what if trailer in just a moment. Plus, we're going to talk about Loki finale theories, the new Resident Evil series on Netflix and whether you should be watching that. Plus, we got some good new comics to talk about this week as well. So, like I said, a lot to do. Let's get started. Marvel's What If. So we finally got this trailer for uh, Marvel's What If, which basically, (laughs) you know, makes makes good on the promise of the show. It shows us a bunch of kind of anthology style tales of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and different ways that, you know, people's fates could have gone, both heroes and villains and the kind of different ways they could have ended up in this universe and these kind of uh, alternate stories, which is a proud tradition in the Marvel Comics universe. You know, What If is is a classic series with this classic premise. And yeah, we're going to get this now. It's interesting to get this now as we've been theorizing on the show. This all has a lot to do with kind of Loki. And the show wasn't just some frivolous kind of, you know, thing Marvel put together as an animated series, but it's actually connected to the uh, larger idea of the multiverse there. We've already had hints that these kind of storylines are part of the, uh, you know, the branching of the sacred timeline that Sylvie caused in Loki. And uh, but we get some interesting concepts. Uh, There's something for at least everybody here, right? Like, you got Peggy Carter as Captain America. Captain Carter! Captain Carter, there you go. T'Challa as Star-Lord. Gamora becomes the Mad Titan. Spider-Man, we might see a celebrity Spider-Man. People call him Doctor Strange Spider-Man, but, you know, Jimmy Lovett here, comic book. You know, we got a lot of comic book experts who pointed out this is also... You got Killmonger doing something. Like, it's it's a lot of crazy stuff just in this trailer, just shot for shot for shot, and just seeing all these alternate takes. And the best part is you get like real stars of the Marvel Cinematic Universe doing the voices, which kind of hit hard, right? Like uh, yeah. we got Chadwick Boseman in one of his in his final Marvel performance as T'Challa in this kind of Star Lord tale, and just hearing him again is it, it was it was pretty emotional for a lot of fans. So, yeah. what did you guys think? What if it, has this jumped up on your radar? Because I don't think a lot of us were like really counting on the series being like must see viewing. But how are you guys feeling after seeing this trailer? 
I, I'm really personally very, very excited about seeing a couple characters that obviously we're not going to be seeing much of in the future like Yondu. Uh, so I was very, very pumped about that. Name my dog after that character. So really excited to see him. Um, and you were completely correct. Wasn't super on my radar. Wasn't something that I was really pumped about. The only thing that really had me from any teasers were like zombified heroes and seeing that was exciting, but I'm not, I'm not as into animation and I will make note that this animation was really beautiful. I loved whatever stylized thing they're doing. It was just gorgeous to look at. And I think they're going to do a heck of a job and shout out to Dr. Strange. He looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, I saw the the comparisons to Spider Man uh, Unlimited. I think it was that like two thousand ish. No, not Unlimited. Series. Unlimited was traditional. I, was I forget. Unlimited? Which, which yeah. was, what's I the forget. one that it's the one with? Well, ironically, it's the one with Drake Bell. I thought wasn't yeah. that the one with Drake Bell and Spidey? Um, so yeah, no. I mean, I I dig I dig animation almost always. I am always. Yeah. If it's, if it's, it's the animated. MTV Spider Man series. That's the one. That's yeah. right. Um, cool. so it's like, I'm always up for that. And I like, I mean, what if is very much like the anthologies we read, right? For every great one, you get maybe two, like not so great, but they're always, they're always fun and they're always interesting. Um, so, I mean, you had me at captain Carter, like that oh, was in the original preview art when they teased that, like that character rocks. I'm so excited for that. It looks awesome. Uh, the, some of the voices, it is weird to see them in animation. Um, is it, did we confirm who, is it Hemsworth doing Thor? It sounded yeah, the, just yeah, like yeah, yeah. Hemsworth. Oh, is, yeah. Hemsworth. is the one that sounded the most Hemsworth. Right, but it looks weird when you see yeah, his voice it does. coming through an animated thing. It's, just, <laughs> it, it's very off-putting. Cause it's like, oh, that's, that's, that's weird. Uh, the child just seemed like natural. It, it was just awesome. So yeah, I mean, I dug it. Yeah. Um, you know, Marvel zombies. Yeah, you're right. Is, is in there. Um, Howard the duck made a, made a fun little thing. So yeah, I mean, it has the opportunity to uh to open up some things i remember that that what if tale where it was shard it was like what if shard was the one that survived and not bishop from the comics and i'm like that's the kind of weird stuff what if daredevil became the kingpin like that's the kind of weird stuff that you can do in this series so i mean that's that's fun it's cool charlie do you need to turn up on this or are you good with it no i mean i'm, I'm pretty i'm i'm pretty good i you know i don't have a strong opinion either way i'm excited about it it's a marvel thing uh, I like the animation. It's it's that weird thing where to me it toes that line of like it could look really cheap or it could look really really awesome, and I got both vibes from the trailer. You know, um, I'm hoping it it looks better when all said and done. Like it does end up on the side of awesome. You know, there's a show on Netflix called Dragon Prince that has a similar animation style. Oh yeah, it, it, Dragon Prince is a very good show, um, and I didn't think I would like the animation style in that, but I really came to love it. So I, I think that I'll kind of fall on that side with this too. Um, I'm most interested in how this ties into the greater MC. Obviously, this these are the stories we can't tell with live action because they're all all over the place. You know, you can't get everybody for live action things. You get for voices, and I do think though there is going to be connective tissue. I, they, I don't think they would say, "Oh yeah, it's canon," just to get. You mean just to say it? The Watcher really is what the way kind of creates that bond there. So I'm really excited to see what they do with Jeffrey Wright and the Watcher, and if they at any point address the watchers that we saw in guardians. And, you know, I, I'm, I have my own theory that I think the watch is going to be in the Loki finale, but that's a whole, that's a subject we can talk about later. Um, all in all, like there are some really cool grounded stuff happening in the MCU right now. And I'm excited for the other side of it too, of this big fantastical, like we're getting with Loki, this big fantastical crazy thing that 
could go any direction and completely unexpected. And um, I don't know. I, I think it'd be really exciting. All right. Well, there you have it. What if, if you guys haven't seen this trailer, definitely go on comicbook.com Marvel, check it out. And a bunch of write-ups were already kind of have a lot of fun little spin outs pointing out kind of detailed things from the trailer. I'm excited for Marvel zombies. Uh, this animation style, I think is going to be the kind of, Weird split. Uh, it looks like Star Wars Resistance, which was like the least favorite of all Star Wars animated series in this kind of CGI Uh-oh. animation style. No, I mean, if you like it, it's your thing. It's good. Like, not everybody dislikes it. Yeah. Other people like, like, dislike the Clone Wars animation style and things like that. So it's I totally- think part of it's just people got used to a certain style with the Star Wars shows and breaking from that felt weird for folks. Yeah. You know, like, because the, the, the Gendy uh, Tarkovsky stuff is really neat yeah you know, my kids my, really my son's like obsessed with that the the uh tarkovsky's it's so original good. clone wars yeah he just makes so me watch it like every day now yeah. so it's kind of funny um but all right that's the what if trailer yeah well, i'm really i'm really kind of interested also to see the connectivity and how this could affect things i think it could surprise us in some ways so keep an eye on that talking about the multiverse let's talk about how it just went crazy rick and morty style this week on loki <laughs> So, if you haven't seen Loki, I don't know why you're listening to this, but I'm going to get into these uh, Loki theories. Yeah. So, Loki episode five, we're coming down to the end, and man, this was a crazy penultimate episode, right? So, Loki wakes up, and I want some credit because I accurately described what had happened at the end of episode four and what this realm he woke up in was. It was like, I told you, it was just like email rules, right? You go to this place, uh, you get deleted, but you end up in this place, and then you got to write for final deletion. Uh, from this monster called the I don't even want to butcher its name. What's this thing called? Goliath. The, uh, Goliath. Goliath. It's Goliath without the, without the ah, a lot. Ah, you know, wow, look at that, Charlie Ridgely with the smarts. Yeah, I never <laughs> even put that together. Uh, yeah, it is. It's exactly what it is. So, Goliath, uh, this monster, kind of you know providing the final deletion. But uh, this world is populated by crazy variants of Loki, which was uh, of course the most fun thing we we can. Everybody in the comments, stop trying to make Crokey happen. What have you all been listening to Jim Viscardi? It's not it's a alli- crocodile. It's, it's a gator. alligator Loki. Yes. Yeah, I will part. say they could they could have made a crocodile and had that name and been been done. And I think they would have been better off for it. They didn't. It's an alligator, so we gotta drop Crokey. I'm with you 100 percent on that. But like yeah. it was easy and right there, and I'm surprised that they just didn't do it. It can be like an EDM producer, Aoki. Oh no, Jim has jumped. He's in the comments. Jim is in the comments and he's jumped to Alloki. Yes, too many else. Too many yeah, which, by the way, really works. That really works. It's it's mm-hmm. not as off the gator. Not, it doesn't sound as natural as croaky, <laughs> which I can't believe. Loki gator. No, that's of course Loki that's dial. Oh my god, Loki dial. I love it. Loki that's dial. a good one. Oh my gosh. Here we go. But anyway, yeah. I mean, he was. Really but again, he's MVP. not a crocodile. Yeah, he's not yeah. A crocodile. so Loki dial doesn't work. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Frustrating. He is Louise. Alligator Loki. One of the MVP episode. Yeah, we got a I'm bunch of crazy variants of Loki. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty nuts, and there it was pretty funny just seeing them all kind of war with each other and try to backstab each other and lie and deceive each other. Uh, and then Alligator Loki biting off uh, President Loki's hand, which, yeah, this was written by a Rick and Morty writer, if you guys didn't That's so know. So good, right? by the way. So That's this episode good. felt very much like a Rick and Morty episode because it did. It, it really was in many respects. Um, but the end of this end of this all is that Loki and Sylvie bound, you know, Sylvie figures out to go down there and help out Loki. And they kind of bind together and they enchant the uh, Elias and they realize it's a doorway to the true power behind the TVA and, and whatever is going on here. 
So what we're here to talk about is what do you guys think? Because the episode ends with them walking through that portal. What do you think is on the other side? Charlie originally, take it away. You went in. There's you went so many in. things. There's yeah. so many things it could be. Um, it seems like that's Chronopolis. Oh, wait. Let's, preface this. Let's preface this by saying Charlie Ridgely just got done talking oh, yeah, to right. the head light writer of Loki right before he jumped on here. So this I man did. has been close to the power source. The, 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 problem power is, the problem is that people at Marvel are really good at knowing how to answer questions um, without telling you anything. Um, I, like, I tried really hard to get, you know, like, master, is yeah. this Chronopolis? Is this not Chronopolis? You know, did you just no div- flat out ask? Tell me, is it Chronopolis? I worked it in, and you know, and he knew what I was doing. You know, he's yeah. done this a lot. Trying um, to trip him up, but uh, yeah, like this. This is all very. It's all building to what looks to be King, and that could obviously be a huge misdirection because that's what the MCU and specifically Loki does. But it looks like Chronopolis. When you look at Chronopolis in the comic books, the home of Kang, that's what this looks like. There's even little ships flying around when you, when you look closely. It seems like we're either building to Kang because that's where all the, the science point or toward there being another Loki behind things because that's narratively where this could make a lot of sense is Loki has had to learn to love the parts of himself that are worth loving and he has, has to confront the parts of himself that not are broken, but that have he said he's, he's had difficulty with and he has to come to terms with and has to confront the parts of himself that he wants to change. And I think that narratively having another Loki there makes sense. And I kind of think maybe there's some kind of Kang Loki situation going on where, you know, like Loki did in Ragnarok where Kang is gone and Loki is just kind of there running things in his stead without anyone knowing it. Um, like kind of just being a turd. I think that could be what we see here in the end. Um, <laughs> I, this is where I think the watcher can come into play. I think maybe the watcher is imprisoned right. in Chronopolis. That would be a really fun direction um, as to how some of these things fell apart, you know, while there's supposed to be somebody watching over everything um, and kind of how the TVA took on that mantle. Um, there, there are, there are a million different directions this could go, but Kang or some variation of Loki really seem like they're kind of at the end of it. I, and there's so much going on with Ravana and uh, I could dig it. Waldron to say that miss minutes, is very suspect. Like everyone's kind of had thoughts, and I, I've been like, well, maybe she's just kind of a computer program. He's like, no, like Miss Minutes. I think it's fair to say she's very suspect. So I think there's more to Miss Minutes. We're going to find out here in the she's last Mephisto. episode. She's Mephisto. She's Mephisto. Oh, been, stop it! You've been screwing stop up this whole thing all along. He brought that up too. I said something about like, oh, and it's probably it's Kang or Loki, whatever. And he's like, what about Mephisto? Oh, and I was like, you're just doing that to, to upset everyone. Such a such a that, uh, that is Kurdish <laughs> behavior. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna guess Mephisto for anything until I see Mephisto on the screen. At right. this point, um, Kang or Buck, baby. My, my big thing, and I'm gonna throw this out just so it's out in the open. I think that Ravana is a Kang variant. Ooh. She is the Sylvie to Kang's Loki, and oh. that's how the name kind of throws us off because Ravana and and Kang are tied together in the comics. I think that's how it's going to kind of turn here in the show. Oh, that's but that's just that's just my personal. My personal favorite. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I didn't come up with that one, but that's a good one, Charlie Ridgely. Uh, that's yeah, a, that's a good there. We have a lot of people in the chat still polling for Dr. Dooms. Um, so we have ha- Alex says the castle is the same as the comic book castle of Dr. Doom. Oh, yeah. And let various we- in space. Nah. Yeah, I mean, Doctor Doom is a weird pull. That would be such a left field like pull to pull Doctor Doom and Loki right now. Um, okay. y- you kind of need Doctor Doom in a weird way because 
See, the Kang stuff really makes my head hurt because to get to <laughs> Kang, you actually need Dr. Doom since the person right. who became Kang is a guy from the future who started to meddle around with Doom's technology. And right, but you don't have to give that backstory technology. anytime yeah, soon. No, they right. could, but I'm they saying could probably you just go without like, that. You could, co- I mean, there, it's not out of, le- I mean, it's not completely impossible. Yeah, the, the only, there are Doom people, it's like a time Jim has been very vocal out. about this, about how Oh, Kang's actually too big for a Marvel TV show. You're not going to introduce Kang in the TV show. Like, I mean, that's a good I, point too. I, 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 I disagree with that, but <laughs> but I'm saying if, if we're using that, Doctor Doom is certainly right. Entirely too big. Yes, that's true. I mean, if you poll people okay. on the street, maybe two out of ten random people know who Kang is, but like seven out of ten recognize the name Doctor Doom. Like. Okay. You're so, not pulling Doom in. And Jim on needs show. to relax. Let's just okay. all remember that Thanos <laughs> was a random purple face at the end of Avengers. I'm just saying was like, that was the end of Avengers. If anyone doubts Kang, we are not getting Doctor Doom. That's <laughs> okay, all. I'm, that's right. all I said. So that here's day. the thing. That's the point, though. Is that that's a good Thanos was a throwaway? Like, oh, hey, mention this person. Which I actually think, by the way, they might. Okay, so as I said, one, number one, I'm gonna start here. Because Kofi got to celebrate himself, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my flowers for a minute. All right, I called Mobius one dead. <laughs> I called all that wasn't that wasn't that was all a fake out as a typical Marvel fake. I mean, out. we knew that once Loki right. got. But everyone prayed. in here was like, "Well, well, maybe he's this. no, he's not. Of course not." And everything with a Marvel show typically goes the way you kind of expect it to. Every so often, they throw a giant curveball at you, but it's rare. Most times, we all theorize all the things that never happen. And most times it kind of goes according to whatever the base level plot point you think it will be is. This whole show has been a commentary on Loki. You're as still a person hurting from WandaVision. All the well, no, I'm just, I, I call it on WandaVision too. Nothing yep. threw me there either. So yep. it's the same thing, right? So I think it's all Nobody about knew Ralph Bowman. So I think, stop it. no, I'm saying it wasn't this alternate thing all oh, in yeah. all got all nuts i did not yeah i said it's not going to be this crazy thing, and it wasn't. i think you're right. right i didn't call ralph boner i'm not saying i actually called <laughs> that i'm saying the premise is they don't go that off the wall they really yeah. don't so if you look at how things are moving the trajectory it makes sense that it would be a variant of a loki i will say what you might get though is that allusion to things that could very well in the full reveal of Kang, because I'm not saying Kang's off the board. I'm just saying that it does seem like it would be a big deal to have that kind of villain, especially one who's going to be your overarching villain for phase four or five or whatever, to be in a, one of their Disney Plus shows. Because right. not everybody think, is I watching. I think you're right. That. I think you're right. But based on what you said, based on what you all just laid out, see, to me, so much of it points to Kang. Yes, narratively, the idea of Loki facing himself it's is, just is right there. That's but what Marvel does. Everything that we've gotten. <laughs> yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's not even been low key. It's been very like. And I Kang makes perfect sense for this I, story based on yeah. you know, his history and his, his time. Right. Manip- like, it all makes sense. E- I, I'm, either one, I think, are, are perfectly logical. I think I think yeah. it's going to be a mix of both at the end. It's I don't also, know if we'll get Kang, but he's going to be. Yeah. Like he's going to be included somehow. A, Matt, you know, just to go by what Marvel does using that same logic. You can introduce Kang in this finale without actually showing people Jonathan Majors in a well, Kang that's my armor. It's yeah. my point is you can like allude to him and you can lay yeah. foundations. You can even maybe say the name, but you're not yeah. going to well, get. They people did. think you're going to get this 
reveal, I feel like are going to be disappointed. Maybe they shock me, but nine times out of 10, Marvel doesn't do that. Marvel, Marvel lays out the story and then they'll throw that little, that little spice at the end. And I, I, think, I, think, I, think, we'll, I think we'll see I Jonathan think Majors, right. maybe not big purple face in space Kang. No, I think, I think that we'll see. Here's the deal. That I think that, remember, these Marvel Disney Plus shows are about getting things, setting foundation so that movies don't have to explain like a whole lot of where circumstance and like where we are. I think this match right in the sense that this is a show about Loki and Loki dealing with Loki. So it could be Loki through that portal. But I think this was ultimately about the end, about what's going to be the end result of this is even if it is a Loki that has been maintaining this TVA order, these other Lokis are going to break that and mm-hmm. thinking they're doing something great. But this other Loki is going to be like, kind of like you assholes. Like I've actually been holding back maybe something even worse. Like, and that worst well, that's, thing. That's is, the thing with Elias and that, and that gate. It's like, I kept thinking about this two edged sword of like, they're trying to do something, but what if that was supposed to be closed? What if that was closed for a reason and you open it up to do this grand gesture but it wasn't to keep you out. It was to keep whatever's on the other side out of our reality. Yeah. You know, and now you've just I, busted the floodgates open. Yeah. I and I think it. that'll be the change that, you know, after this, they'll break this TVA order, this say one sacred timeline, the multiverse will begin to kind of get crazy, but that's going to get out of control real quickly as, as evidence in Spider-Man and Dr. Strange. And, you know, in Quantumania and Ant-Man three, which is this whole other realm that we got to deal with that leads to alternate realities and places you know, you're going to have Kang, you know, officially emerge from this. So I think this is what's going to get the ball rolling and, and really kind of set the stage for that. Now, Janelle, what did you think? Oh, I was just saying I saw an interesting um, theory about how um, are we calling him older comic book Loki, um, oh, who does Loki. all the projections. Classic, Classic Loki. Classic Loki. Yeah. Thank you. Classic Loki. No um, more Lokis. Making this big projection, and he's the king of that. I mean, he's fabulous. He fooled Thanos and everything. We know this from his backstory share, that he could possibly have put on this whole show, and he, that's why he was laughing when he was taken out. It could have just been a a projection of him and he could be on the other side now in the castle, like running the show. That was a really cool thing that I saw that I was like, "Ah, I could buy that. I could get down with that. We know him for people who, you know, have been following the show and only the show. They don't really know the MCU really well. They now know who this guy is and they can go, oh my God, he was bad all along. It could be kind of cool. I mean, you want to get your money's worth. I would like that for Richard E. Grant. Yeah. You want your money. Narratively, I like he brought a closure to a Loki story and he brought the yeah. evidence of like of, of growth for that character and, and, yep. and evolution for that character. And I think that was really important. It's kind of the same with the theory of Mobius being bad that some mm-hmm. people have, or Mobius being a Loki pulling that rug, I think does so much harm to the Loki we've watched grow. And I don't know if that's the kind of 180 you want to give that character after everything he's been through, through this series to then like say, Oh, never mind. <laughs> and to watch him just spiral from that, I think that kind of discredits a lot of the hard work they've done. But uh, again, but Richard E. Grant, I want so much more Richard E. Grant. <laughs> so if yeah. he can be the big bad guy, that's so awesome. Yeah, it would be cool. I think that'd be that'd be rewarding for I feel like a lot of different people watching the show. I feel like the super nerds would be kind of like, no, I wanted King, but uh, you know, maybe the casual watchers would be like, oh, that makes sense. It goes to a different variant, just played by Richard E. Grant, also. Right. Yeah. You 
Yeah. yeah, he was laughing maniacally though when yeah, he went out. Yeah, they've they've been tricking us. Like we didn't expect President Loki. I don't think a lot of people to be like a whole separate like version of Loki. I thought, right, I did. We thought Hiddleston yeah. would just dress up as President yep. Loki, and it was just like when I saw that moment, I was like, oh, okay, that's a different twist. But that was great fun. But um, yeah, I mean, there's still some other factors in this. We know Loki already has a season two, so this this story is going to continue so in some form or fashion, oh. and. They're still, I think at this point, like they got to keep Sylvie because people love her too much. Too oh, much. she's amazing. I would be so bummed if she was gone. I mean, so, yeah, like, if anything, yeah. if anything, she would be the star of season two. Like, if, if something yeah. were to change, I could yeah. see that happening. I mean, I, I want her and Hiddleston both to be in it. I'm just saying, like, if there's, well, there's always ways to bring back, she's Hiddleston. not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, man, it's it's a lot. We're going to see. I hope they <laughs> stick the landing because this series, I think, has been my favorite so far. Um, Cause I've been judging these on the ones I've, I've felt are worth the uh, agony of staying up at like 3 AM and watching. And Loki's been my favorite so far. So I'm really <laughs> praying, praying they stick the landing on this one. Yeah. Me and too. we get Kang because that's what I want. Uh, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, it's time to get into black widow talk. We got to talk about resident evils, new series and comics. So stay tuned for all of that. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. We are back. All right. I think it's that time. You think it's that time? Or do we want to knock out Resident Evil real quick first? That's up to you. Yeah, let's do Resident Evil real quick first. Just right. uh, then we'll do Black Widow spoilers talk. Give some people a little time. Just yeah, a little just more time. Because I think they should hear about this first before they have to make the decision of whether they want to stick around for the spoilers talk. All right. So uh, Resident Evil, Matt, take it away. Because uh, uh, I'm going to get in on this with you, but uh, you take it away, buddy. I was actually, you know, by the way, I was very excited for that you actually jumped into this for me. So I, I, I was cool. So uh, for this, it's a four episode uh, series on Netflix, uh, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, stars Leon Kennedy and Claire Redfield. And uh, okay, so this is a, it's set in canon. But it's kind of like this, you know, offshoot story. It's it's after uh, a few of the games, especially uh, Resident Evil 4. And so like Leon's like, you know, like basically kind of like the president's <laughs> like right hand guy. He's like his most trusted. He's just Jack Bauer. Bauer. Yeah, he's just yeah. Jack Bauer. And, uh, and then Claire's like uh, doing I mean, a lot of different things, but like she's trying to help uh, this nation and just doing a bunch of like recovery stuff for them. And, and it's cool. So but we don't actually see them really come together 
in your typical kind of Resident Evil fashion until the very last episode. Now, yeah. I don't know about you. It's just Jim was asking the comments just to say it's four episodes. Each one runs between 25 yeah. and 30 minutes. It's so really altogether, cool. it's about the it's, it's about the length of one movie altogether. And uh, it's really quick. So I'm not going to get I mean, I, we don't you don't really have to get into a ton of spoilers with this. There's kind of this overarching uh, political thing, this global scale plan. And then you get all the kind of Resident Evil stuff kind of as the journey goes on for me. Uh, I was glad this was not six episodes because at least I didn't have to make it through six. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this no. was bad. Oh. This, and I'm so bummed. Like, you don't understand. I am so bummed. I'm so disappointed now. It's so I was so excited. Good. I was I thought I was gonna be the detractor oh, here. No, um, good. Here's, I here's, don't like it at all. And I thought I was gonna have a hot take. Here's Such what I'll say. There are some really fantastic sequences in this. There really are. Like yeah. the submarine sequence, really great. Like that. almost one per episode. There's like one. Yeah, this one great Resident Evil moment. Yeah, and, in and, each episode. But the first time I played it, the there was something wrong. Like with the streaming, the the voices were off, and I was like, "Is this dubbed from another language?" I was like, "What is happening?" And I was like, ready to rage. But then I like just went out and started again. I was like, "Okay, now I got it synced up." Yeah. It's barely better. Um, yeah, it's not great. Yeah, they, they, they got a little too ambitious with the animation style. It's I haven't that seen a weird, uncanny yeah. valley feeling. Exactly. That I, get, I was going like, to say, um, oh. we haven't had this. You haven't had this weird of a viewing experience since Final Fantasies. Oh, the, uh, no. The enemy within or the, the spirit within. within? Oh, yeah. man. Oh, yeah, that's what this makes. This, uh, instantly, I had like flashbacks. <laughs> Of really watching that in theaters and being like, these are it humans. feels like they wanted to do what a lot of the um Love Death and Robots yeah. animation does, where like I it looks real. That. And yeah. I, it's great in Love Death and Robots. That, that's yeah. I'm, I'm propping yeah. that up, yeah. which is an incredible series. And some of those do that like realistic animation. Yeah. Yeah. This feels it is, like it is not great that. in spots. So like oh, yeah. if, Character if you spots. look at certain, you know, it's weird. It's, it's kind of like for those uh, in the like action figure world, if when they do face scans and you see a figure from one angle and they go, oh, they look like perfect. And then you turn it and you go, oh, that looks nothing <laughs> like the character. It's kind of like that, like certain shots, they are fantastic. It looks great. And then they start moving and like everything's really boxy, like the way they move. And like, oh, there's, yeah. a, there's a scene early on where like, and they keep going back to the scene throughout the show, but the, all the soldiers are moving and they're moving from one location to the other and all their legs are moving incredibly fast. <laughs> and like, it was so weird. Cause I'm like, they look like little ants, like movie. Yeah. It doesn't seem. Dude. Oh natural. my God. The last weird. shot of Leon is, while he's like walking into the white house or whatever. It's so funny. I was like on the floor. I couldn't stop laughing. It's <laughs> so funny. Because it looks like when they animated Poochie out of the Simpsons, like <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. The Simpsons. Oh, do we Poochie. not watch? It was this? like Poochie went to another planet. I mean, um, it's good to have in a background if you're folding laundry. Oh, like, I don't. Okay, I don't okay, okay, here's what I would do. Because you'll would. hear the sequences start, and you'll look up and you'll be like, "Okay, that was pretty intense." And then I mean, just cool. don't watch. There's a million things to watch. You know, there you are. don't need to watch it. I'm not going to make an excuse for you to watch something. No, I'm, it's great. I'm going to say like it, it kind of sucks. I'm going to say it's okay. entertaining enough to just put on in the background if you're doing something and like just look up for those those sequences that are going to be kind of cool. Watch like, there are watch some pretty cool sequences. <laughs> okay, I won't even go that far. I will say watch the uh, in a week. The great scenes will be on YouTube, and you yeah. can watch those clips. And they're like yeah. two minutes, three minutes. It takes tops. you less time to watch season six. Or season two of uh, I think you should leave. 
which is a way better use of your time than okay. watching so, like, the first season of Resident like, Evil. Okay, to get because wow. I hate, I don't like to just bag on things all the time. So I will say, okay, like Kofi said, there's a there's a rat sequence. It's actually really kind of creepy and and weird. It's in the it's in the submarine that felt very Resident Evil. The Claire scene at the house felt very Resident Evil. Even the pretty much I will say the second half of the final episode feels very Resident Evil. A little Resident Evil, you know, like four and five, but still feels very Resident Evil. Well, Everything yeah. else, there's so much plot here that does not need to be there. It, it it's just like as it keeps and, it's yeah. very ambitious it goes back in these flashbacks and it keeps filling in the story but like ultimately you could have done that in like in in half the time and still gotten the point across and then you can actually have more of the resonant evil stuff because that's the stuff that shines here and like also leon is a complete dill man <laughs> in this show like he's not the most personable in the games but like man they made him into like a really not likable character and, and for claire wow. they sideline her a lot claire's awesome i'm i'm very much more of a chris redfield and jill valentine person i'll be, yeah, I'll be honest man. but i love claire and so she's been used very well so i mean for me i would say just go play one of the games i mean go play yeah. one of the games that features these characters even six as have you played all of them? That is. <laughs> you played every Resident Evil game? I have played every Resident Evil except for Zero, ironically. That's the one I just missed, and I think it was because it released on platforms that I wasn't on. But yeah, so yeah. I mean, six is not six is the worst of the series. And I would still say the first part with Leon in that in that three thing campaign is still better than than watching this. It's just so any bummer. big fans of the games don't watch the show because you're gonna be disappointed. Yeah. If you've maybe not played the games, then maybe it maybe. won't be as. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's Charlie's like just I mean, don't. I'd be so. more interested if it followed the the Biohazard, um, uh, like the seven eight stuff, like the more gothic horror archetypes and and that storyline. I'd like that a little more than the old Resident Evil uh, stuff. Yeah, we're not going to go but, to like yeah, where we want to be here. So well, no, here's I'm what I will say. More interesting to me. That's that's the here, only. Comment. Here's what I will say. This this project, ironically, for all its faults, does a better job than most video game adaptation projects of actually okay. making you feel like there's a level set up in front of you and, and you have to see if a character can get through this level. Like there's constantly, it does that. And it does that well with tension. The submarine's a great thing. You're like, how the hell is this guy going to get off the submarine? And then there's another one, like with an attack with a bunch of soldiers over in uh, whatever country they're in and they're in a building and they get jumped by a bunch of zombies. And there's a lot of sequences like that that are very video gamey in a good way. And that's what I mean about seeing that. That's the one thing this does right. The rest of it is trash. And the villain, the art villain at the end is like this crazy turn where he's just like murdering a girl. He looked out. Well, it's just nuts. It gets crazy at the end. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. No way. Like, it, it, it looks like a big cutscene. Yeah, it's just nuts. So, uh, yeah, take it or leave it if you don't got anything else to do, I guess. And you've seen Black Widow and you've seen everything else there is to see this weekend. Resident Evil's there for you, too. We're not going to oh, waste man. too much more time on this. All right. <laughs> Let's move on. We're going to talk about the thing, the big main event today. Marvel movies are back in theaters two years my god it's hard to believe it's been two years but here we are Marvel movies are back in theaters Black Widow is here we've seen the movie we are going to talk to you about it strap in Rich throw that spoiler warning up because we're just going to go in yeah I mean there's no there's no point in, in playing a game we're going in so if you haven't seen Black Widow now's the time to drop off until you guys have seen it please come back and uh, listen to the end of our uh, discussion then 
because you will be able to kind of hear our thoughts and, and reflect with us, you know, as, as you've seen the movie, but if also you haven't seen the movie, the yeah. Yeah. Comics coming up too. We got great comics talk coming up, but um, all right, let's talk black widow. So I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised because I was one of the people who were like, I don't know how they're going to make a Black Widow movie relevant at this point. Like, I don't get it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical. I feel like there's going to be like an episode of TV. I think uh, I said that to Charlie Ridgely, like before seeing it, I was like, I don't know. Is this going to be like a really good episode of like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or is this going to feel like a Marvel movie? Um, and I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Black Widow the action stuff is, is pretty good. I mean, some of it's pretty standard Marvel, you know, green screen work and stuff like that. But uh, what I was surprised about was the amount of kind of heart that they managed to pack into this and, and kind of real world, real world relevance, like things that resonate. This movie is disturbing in a lot of ways when it comes to kind of, you know, things about girls and gender relations and, and, you know, the experiences that women are going through in the world and, and the, and the traumas that they have to go through. It's really unexpectedly unnerving in that way, in a good way for, for making black Widow's story and what we know about her history and these things when that have really just been kind of side stories or, or kind of, you know, pawn pieces in the, in the stories of other things going off and going on in the, uh, in the Marvel cinematic universe uh, you know, it, it brings them to focus on Natasha her sh- or herself and, and gives much more dimension to her character in terms of what it means that of what she's been through, what she survived and how she's kind of emerged as her own independent superhero and character uh, from not just, you know, kicking alien, butt, but, you know, the kind of traumas and things she's been through. So, I think it's a job well done and it's one of the better paced Marvel movies I've ever seen. Like, scene for scene moment to moment there isn't a lot of wasted space the dialogue's great the the ensemble of characters that they got together for this uh florence Pugh, rachel vice david harbour they're they're all really great together and their chemistry together is really good um and just a di- yeah the writing and the dialogue in this movie is also unexpectedly really good it's a really good sisters movie like uh you know, about sister to sister relations, almost like sisters on this weird kind of strange sisters on this road trip with their parents. It could be like an indie movie, except it's a, uh, it's a Marvel movie with a bunch of spies and, and super spies and stuff. But uh, yeah, um, unexpectedly good. So I really dug black widow and, and it, it just makes me believe like, yeah, I mean, at this point, Kevin Feige and Marvel studios can really just do anything. They can dip back in time and be like, here was a day in visions life. This would be a great blockbuster. And I'd be like, I'm down. Uh, yeah. And I'd be like, okay, I mean, maybe, maybe, <laughs> Yeah, I'm after Black Widow. I actually think that that's a. I I was not excited about Black Widow, like like like, kind of like you were. I was excited because it was Marvel movie, but like I had this notion that there weren't going to be any stakes, and that was a really. I I am frustrated with myself for having thought that way because what I I was mistaking scope for stakes. You know, stakes don't mean don't have to mean. Oh, the universe could end or, Oh, the main character might die. We don't know. That's irrelevant to a story. You know, this is the first Marvel movie that we know where it goes. We know that she dies at the end. Like we knew going in that she was going to die when all this was over. And so already knowing that already knowing that it's not going to affect the rest of the MCU, whatever she does, we got to actually focus on the story of the movie and on the characters and the journey they're on. We get to sit in this moment with them. And it, it, it made it so much better. 
I didn't worry about the greater MCU. I wasn't worried about this giant universe altering situation. I just got to watch a story about a few people. And, and that's like something that I, the MCU has been missing a lot of the time. Charlie, I've really, really cry. enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. And, and I really like that in this. <laughs> and so saying that, you know, when you said Kofi, like, I, I would like to see more. I wrote a whole article a couple of days ago about how the, the MCU needs more prequels. This is the first yeah. like true prequel I can think of. And correct me if I'm wrong. You know, like Captain America was set back in time, but it was an origin for that character. We hadn't met that character yet. So that could have anything could have happened there. This was a true prequel of we saw what happened to a character and then went back in time and then gave this glimpse into their life. And I, I really, really appreciated the time we got to spend with them because it, it was a genuine experience for me. It wasn't about a franchise. It wasn't about a universe. It was just about this specific story. And I would really love to see more of that after having seen how well it was handled in this one. Janelle, what'd you think? Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, I feel like Charlie just said everything that I was, I could even think of, but um, I have just a few things that I've been really wanting to say, but I am so afraid of spoiling for people because once you see it, you can't stop seeing it in the film. So if <sighs> Natasha is dressed to the nines, she looks fabulous. Her suits fit gorgeously. Her sister is in these sloppy, ill-fitting costumes that I just could not stop staring at. And that was my only qualm with the whole film is that I just, I don't know what happened with costuming, but it's like they didn't take as much time to fit her or something. And it was like, I mean, her white costume was like hanging off. It was like bunching up. She looked like she was in a big, like, Jinko version of the Black Widow suit. I, I was so confused. I'm like, what are they doing? Dude, it's a rite of passage. It takes you, you it's it's part of your contracts. Your first costume is <sighs> trash. And then as you stay with the franchise. I mean, but also, they, they didn't have custom costumes built for them. You Even know, though like, I do love Captain They just had, they had a Mason, who Mason was great. I'm, I hope we get to see more of Mason Captain in the future. Like, She's way more rough around the edges. Viscardi Vendetta says, yeah, that's just, just bring this in. Yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense. That's, that's just her character. Comment, people are saying that's just how Yelena rolls, man. She just okay. rolls. I mean, her first, her first choice of an outfit was like a dad fishing vest. <laughs> I Wait, did okay. love that. By the way, know, okay. which was incredible. Like, those pockets, bro, they had pockets. It's, it's practical. That's a great one. Well, okay, it's, so. It's like they weren't trying to show her figure. That's, that's seriously what it felt like. But also just the other comment that I had was um, I did not expect comedy i mean th there was like so much laughter from me. i felt like ragnarok i was like i was laughing i didn't realize that the writer also wrote ragnarok i did not realize i didn't know that, that either so you just did both wow it, so, felt it makes like a lot of sense yep a lot of really funny moments that i was out loud laughing and yeah good i did not know that by the way I did not Me know neither. that. Yeah, neither did I. Neither did I. Thank um, you, Charlie. Eric, Eric, Charlie with the research. I, I, believe, yeah. I believe Brandon's talking to him today, but Eric Pearson. So what, uh, awesome. that's so interesting though, because like one of the things I love about this movie is that to me personally, it actually handles humor better than Ragnarok does. And what I mean by that is not necessarily like whether jokes land or not. That's subjective. But the way they're interspersed here, it felt much more organic to the story being told and their relationship than Ragnarok, which was just 
constant. It's just, we're going to hit you with a joke. We're going to hit you with Joe. It, 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 there was almost like a quota. Like they had to hit eight punchlines in a scene and it did not feel that way here. It felt, it felt a lot more nuanced and I liked that. It. It's still the Marvel snapback humor and I loved, but their relationship, I mean, Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson are dynamite together, which why is why it makes it sad that like, <laughs> we're not going to get more of them or at least unless they do another prequel. But you know, I really like to me. That's the the hardest. Movie. I enjoyed it uh, much more um, than I than I expected. I was looking forward to a Black Widow movie, but for me, most of the enthusiasm had just died just because simply of the delays. Like I was just like, I just want to see it already. I've, I've kind of lost all the hype. I just want to see the movie, um, and it was it was really good. But for me, the stuff that sticks out is the it's the family moments. Like the family is what makes this. the The action stuff is fine. It was what I kind of expected, and and I wasn't necessarily like floored by any of it. the The reason I would go back and watch Black Widow, which I totally would, is for like the moments at the dinner table where they're talking about like, you know, Yelena is basically like it hurts her that Natasha is talking about family in this way. Like their family didn't count, their family didn't matter, they were real. Like that whole scene is fantastic. The scene between uh, Yelena. And uh, Guardian is great when like they're in the room and he, she's like, please stop talking. And then he goes and sings. Right. And there's that pullback. Like they do that really well here. Um, you know, and, and Florence Pugh like stole the show in a, in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, she's been great in pretty much everything, but she's fantastic here. And I liked all of her little touches like all her little touches to that character you know it's just it's it's just great like i i love i could have eaten up a whole other hour of their just this was certainly the biggest stage on which she's been great because she has been great like you said in everything she's done but the the project she's been had never been on this scale right now she's locked in you got geek north already calling it the mcpu (laughs) (laughs) i will say though i will say though that you know to your point, Matt, I think this was the most natural of any, like the natural feeling of the MCU. Like the family felt natural and just their, the way that they communicated and the humor, like you said, felt, it felt genuine and real. Like the humor wasn't, we're making a joke. The humor was, these are families. This is a family talking yeah. how they would normally talk to each other. And that was very funny. And then putting Alexi in, the, in his place and really kind of being over him was very funny. Um, yeah. And, and like, but, and like Natasha's whole thing, right. You go from a joke which they're they're having like a fun moment, and then she literally like springs into like you're an idiot, yeah, and you're and a coward, and why? And you're yeah. and you're you're kind of laughing because it's a funny comment, but there's truth. The in emotions that very genuine right. coming from a very and, real place, and so it feels you're, you're kind of caught between this thing constantly. And when she calls her a coward, and like, and then you know, uh, Elena's like, that was me. You were testing. Like, there's some very real moments and that first i will say that first entry scene this is by far one of the most riveting entry scenes into a marvel movie uh mm-hmm. yet for that me. really like, michael um uh michael mann like yeah with the nirvana uh, track the, the, oh, yeah. yeah so good it had that old, like, like that. that's what i said it's unexpectedly unnerving yeah. this movie yeah. when you see the girls I, I say that, and all that stuff like it's really like you're like whoa this is really intense like widow's origin is not so fun anymore the action <laughs> like, especially in that in that first half you know, Matt, you're talking about like the action being kind of what you expected. Like, I don't, this is the first time in Marvel movie where I've actually like felt like things hurt. Like I felt pain watching, you know, like the fight in the apartment, especially, or, you know, at the end with, um, Drakeoff, uh, Drakeoff, like 
when in Captain America Winter Soldier is kind of heralded as the best actor in the MCU, but like those are super soldiers and they're punching each other like, okay, like they're they're superhuman things. These are just like regular people. I mean, they're really talented, but they're not they don't have a superhuman injection like they could die. They can feel pain. They can be hurt. And that like they they threw their bodies into right. I I agree with that. It's just there's there's a sense of like okay when she when Natasha falls during that scene from like when they're when they're jumping when they she jump fell off a lot. Things, okay I'm like <laughs> she's dead okay there's no way she's alive I'm sorry <laughs> like it's they because you are a real so person so many times it's dude like, just in the apartment yeah. fight she like slams her head on a door frame as they're like yeah. trying like yeah. they're fighting yeah. through it yeah, well, I, yeah. I put there's a little suspension of disbelief there which is perfectly fine it's a superhero movie I'm not I'm not over I did I'm look at that saying, they did a good job of Scarlett Johansson being throughout the film gradually like like I'm too damn old for this. So she's getting like more and more injured and she's just like, uh like all right. But um yeah, that didn't bother me. Let's talk about something that's really kind of heating up on social media already. Uh how did you guys like this adaptation of Taskmaster and how they fit it into the story? Are you cool with that? Or did you find were you kind of like, uh, was that was that annoying you? Um me personally, Taskmaster is not that important of a Marvel character to really get mad about. I think the one thing I am mad about is that this version of Taskmaster we meet is literally the opposite of a Taskmaster. <laughs> it's kind of like, a, you know, you're just a task doer. You just get told to do stuff and you're basically an unwitting slave. Um, so Taskmaster does eventually have to be, is in Marvel Comics, this kind of fixer in uh, the underworld pivotal figure. Uh, they set up the possibility of that with, you know, Draco's daughter. And if I remember correctly, yeah, she gets the kind of, they free her at the end, right? Yeah. 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 So she could become the taskmaster we we know and love. How did you guys feel about kind of putting together that whole Budapest story and Drakoff and his daughter in that reveal? Oh, I mean, we, we none of us certainly guessed it. We I mean, I don't think anybody guessed it was like I, and all the fan theorizing we did, I don't think we guessed it. So kudos to Kevin Feige for getting us once again. But uh how did you guys feel about that part of the story? I loved seeing a woman behind the mask. I thought it was really cool. Um, and the story didn't bother me at all. It, there's, I, I think that you made a, a great point on that, Kofi. Like, you know, it could go anywhere from here. And I, I, I really actually, because the dynamic of the family and the background of Black Widow, and it really was not at the forefront of my focus in the movie, believe it or not. Like that was not a big thing for me. It was something I enjoyed, but I was like so focused on Black Widow and her sister that and their dynamic that I nothing really bothered me. Nothing rubbed me the wrong way in the whole movie besides that ill-fitting suit. Well, <laughs> you are really hung up on this suit. My God. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, now that I know, thank you to everyone in the chat for letting me know that it was probably a, a choice, like a specific choice. Meow, Janelle Wheeler. Meow. <laughs> so why don't you give like us a call? I think you owe the fans a cosplay. Why don't you show us like new and improved Yelena cosplay? Okay. okay. I will. Or you gotta get Black Widow Jinko. You better you better head down to Florida. Black Widow Jinko, let's go. Yeah, ask Papa Wheeler for that fishing <laughs> vest and, and yes. we'll get out to get out your own Jenkos, which we know you have. I'm about, so, I do. You kind of hit the nail on the head. Like Taskmaster is not that important of a villain. I think there are characters that you need to like, I, I've been very public about my frustration with how they've handled a character like Spider-Man in the MCU, you know? Um, and because it's Spider-Man is so like, he has to be done the right way for his, his he has so many iconic personality traits and things about him. 
Taskmaster is not that character. Taskmaster is not Peter Parker. You don't have to hit the nail on the head with these all these things for a Taskmaster to work. And what I said earlier about this kind of existing in a moment in time and you being able to focus on the story, that really plays to why Taskmaster works here. Because if anyone else was in the suit, it would not have mattered to the story. It would have just been a cool reveal for the MCU. Like, this actually mattered to those characters and to the story that they were a part of. This was the only way to really, like, actually integrate and then for that reveal to truly affect Natasha. Like, that was such a thing for her to experience that I, I, I can't see like if it could have been any random Marvel character, if it would have been Mason under there, it just, it would not have, it would not have had the effect that, that it did for it to be uh, Antonia. And it was, it was the perfect choice for this movie and how this story was told. And so it's a taskmaster. It's a C-list Marvel villain at best. Who cares? If it's not, oh, wow, the dude whoa, you, whoa, man, come on, like, Taskmaster's awesome, man. I, I, I don't have a problem, but like, in, in terms of I'd be like the importance oh. in Marvel, oh, come on, like, I'm you have like, it's not I'm a right. Thanos, it's not a Doctor Doom, I'm not a Taskmaster, Stan, really. I'm not, I'm not saying he's a Doctor Doom, but fine. those are like the top of the crop, and he right, put the them all the way down to C, and then I would take so over tier- half the MCU villains that have been featured. A, a lot of them have been B and C list villains from I mean, the comics. D. <laughs> you know, the people are turning against you, Charlie. They're saying B level. Well, yeah, yeah. Taskmaster doesn't matter. It's, he's just a he's just a guy who uh, his literally his name is mastering tasks. That's and he's a sucks. great character. He's a great character. He's fun. He's interesting. Like I think, he's I think, I think he's been interesting in books. I, I'm not necessarily arguing that the character is always terrible. I just mean in the grand scheme of importance in the grand scheme of like where these hell these villains matter and, and what they do for characters. Like he's there. If, if this he is fights. the last we get <laughs> of Taskmaster. B minus. <laughs> if this yeah, is the last you guys are hilarious in the comments. I will be bummed if this is the last, like we get of Taskmaster. Like the character. Think Taskmaster really can also be so many it. different. It's, it's, it's a mantle and I mean, it can be kind of anyone or anything. And, I think, again, for this story, I think this is what it, it needed to be. Well, let's talk about where this is going, because we do have a lot of characters floating around who seem to be good, you know, ripe for collection for something. You know, we have Valentina. The post credit scene of Black Widow showed, uh, you know, this poignant moment, which it earned very well of Yelena visiting Natasha's grave, which made us all sniffle a little bit and, and seeing how that. How many of you thought for a second that Natasha was going to step out and be like, man, hope the funeral was good. Like anybody, was anybody here that, that down the rabbit hole? No, no the, the, the right. one, the one thing when she did the whistle, it was like I could have seen, like heard another whistle and then it ended, and it was like I would, I wouldn't want that, but I was kind of concerned that's where it was going to go for a, a split second. Mm. Glad, but um, yeah. So Valentina is still, uh, you know, Julia Louis Dreyfus, who was supposed first supposed to kind of appear in this. And I, that would have been like another Thanos moment if that scene was just introduced as the beginning of phase four. We'd all been like, who the hell is that? I'm, but, I'm um, glad it worked out the way it did as opposed yeah. to the way they originally planned it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, she's gathering together people, right? So she's making her own Dark Avengers or Thunderbolts. And we still have a lot of people floating around. I would love to see, I mean, Yelena's there, um, you know, John Walker, US agents there. 
I would love to see Ghost from Ant-Man 2 make a return again and kind of be back in the mix. Taskmaster's hanging around. There's a lot of characters you could you could pull that weren't like quite villains, but that were villains that were just kind of still hanging around and anti-heroes in the MCU. So, I mean, hopefully they're going to do stuff with that and, and kind of pull some of these together because I, I would definitely love to see some of those people, like I said, come together. And I mean, they're clearly building to something. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, Black Widow sent several characters. I mean, Melina... Red Guardian, Yelena are still out there. Taskmaster still out there, and and where they've all ended up since this since the blip, it remains to be seen. But uh, I would love to see these people on a Dark Avengers or Thunderbolts team. Uh, that'd be yeah. kind of awesome. So so cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to deal with? With uh, do Black we want to take any questions from the chat? Yeah, I mean, we'll take a, we'll take one or two. Matt's got to hop off pretty soon, and we still got to get to comics real quick. Okay. Talk about those. Um. Uh, Damon Stream says, is this the darkest MCU movie? Hmm. I think it's on par with the darkness of of uh, Winter Soldier, except that that still was a little bit more comic book fantastical, whereas this was kind of more gritty, hard born, kind of born style. I mean, it, it dealt with human trafficking pretty yeah. deliberately. And in, in the heroine wins by breaking her own nose. So, I mean, it was pretty hardcore. I'll say, yeah. yeah. I'll I'll say, say, yeah. I think I, this I think is so. the darkest one. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Another one. Why, um, Alex is asking why Hawkeye didn't show up. How can you make a Black Widow movie without Hawkeye? Ooh. Because he's lame. Well, Black Widow's movie. That's exactly right. We know the circumstances. I mean, it's pretty narratively easy. It's because Clint Barton was on house arrest at, as of time and, and trying to just stay with his family. That's why he didn't show up for Infinity War. So if he didn't show up for the Infinity War, he, he's not going to show up for Black Widow's like side caper back to Budapest. And that's unfortunate. But, you know, at this point, I mean, kind of the point of the story was this is when she was really vulnerable and on her own and had lost kind of contact with her surrogate family. So if, if she if she yeah. has any connection to the Avengers at this moment, this story doesn't happen. Yeah. So that's True. why Hawkeye's not here. Yeah. So uh, um, anything else? End credit, just end credit scene. What did you guys think about it? Do you feel rewarded? Do you feel good about it? Are you kind of like, oh man, that was weak? No, I mean, we knew that Yelena's coming to Hawkeye, but this was a good way to kind of send her in and really cement that. And it let you know that this character you just saw have a breakout performance is coming back. And that's and exactly. I, I love I love the simplicity of it. You know, again, what I like so much about the movie was it's it's vacuumness. It, mm-hmm. It's someone I saw someone uh, from Vulture when they wrote about it called it kind of a cul-de-sac of the MCU narrative where Ooh, you have cool. this kind of sprawling story and it kind of exists. It's attached to it, but it doesn't. You don't need it to get from one place to another. Um, and the the end credit scene. I think they could have tried to do way too much with end credit scenes to to make it feel more connected. And it connected to Hawkeye, but that was it. And it really it felt natural and true to what the movie was. So I, I liked. Nice tease ending. I, I felt very satisfied by it. Yeah, yeah, I would rather. I'm more excited. Let me put it to you this way to sum it all up. I'm more excited about seeing Florence Pugh get to interact with Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye than I'm sorry about him not showing up in this movie and meeting her and doing that now. Like Ooh, that's, a good, yeah. that's, that's a good. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel the same. I'm more excited about. Look, I'm only excited about Hawkeye because of Kate Bishop. So the fact that now I get Florence Pugh in that and I get Elena. I'll, like you've given me now two reasons to watch that series. Well, but also the, the, the best scenes of Clint Barton we've had in the MCU have been like dad, Clint Barton, like in, in age of Ultron, when he was talking to Scarlet Witch and like trying to be like, 
helpful to her and like trying to like kind of channel being a dad and the, the times of the barn where he was being a dad, like those are the, the best moments we've had of Clint Barton. So the idea of him like trying to teach and trying to like put himself aside and get over himself and move on. I'm excited to see how he grows in that. But I mean, obviously Kate Bishop's the job. Somebody points out in the comments, I think seeing Kate Bishop and Yelena, if when they all settle their differences going to town on, on, you know, uh, in, in the most in verbal sense, going to town on Hawkeye and really just, you know, volleying, like knocking him around verbally. You think about what Natasha Yelena did with Alexi? Yeah. That's going to be multiplied. And Haley Steinfeld are going to have a great time just messing with Jeremy Renner. So that I'm really excited. I mean, now this made me more excited for Hawkeye. So if nothing else, there you go. Um, So I was happy with it. And uh, Julie, Julie, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus, I I love her. And I'm just excited to see where this thing with Val is going. So, yeah, all around Black Widow, a win. Uh, If anything, I think it just makes it more complicated because now I want more of Scarlett Johansson because this one actually let her open up and play like a much more subtle and, and you know, version of Natasha with a lot more depth and, and she really knocked it out of a park. So yeah, man, good times. All right. That's black widow. Matt, do you want to stay on and talk comics for a minute or do you got to get out of here? Buddy? I can talk one comic. <laughs> which, okay. Well then let's talk what's comic. Let's talk the most important one, which is the debut. We saw, we got a new X-Men comic. Let's maybe run through that really quick. Um, Cause Matt, what did you think? The X-Men have relaunched after the Hellfire Gala. We introduced a new team. Krakoa now wants to have this traditional kind of superhero face of the X-Men helping out humanity. And this first X-Men book takes us back into that concept and relaunches the X-Men yet again with a new team. Matt, what did you think? Uh, I, d- I liked the, a lot of this. Um, you know, like the the introduction of, of a new antagonist is interesting. I like the way they kind of set that up. Like that, the them taking over a planet didn't just affect all these other things, but then it affected someone on a very like personal and you know uh, level to where like they want revenge. Now it actually like made a lot of sense. I was like, oh, that's that's a cool take on a villain. As and all the stuff that takes place with like Ben Urich and Cyclops, that whole back and forth, like I I eat all that stuff up. Like the interactions between the like top people at Krakoa and the other, and the rest of the Marvel universe. I, I love like that. That's the stuff I really, I really enjoy the, the, the monster fight was, was fine. What I do, I do love. Can we, You're all, a Power Rangers fan. can we all get props so that they got their own Megazord? That's awesome. Like that part is cool. Yeah. I was about to say um, you better stump for this. This is Power Rangers. That part is, well, that part is cool. But again, like the villain has no, like there's no, like, it's a weird departure for me to get all the first part of this. And then we dive into that. And it's, it's just a weird, it was a weird debut for this. I get what it was trying to do. It showcases how this team can come together and all the different facets of that. But like overall, I will just say in power Rangers, I am a huge power Rangers fan, uh, but the Megazord fights are the lamest part (laughs) of the, like of power Rangers episodes. They typically are uh, because they're the most formulaic. We all know how it's going to play out. It's a big giant robot hitting a big giant monster. Those are, that's kind of how it is. So it was cool to see like the X-Men's version of that. And I hope like they even tease that we get to see it retooled and stuff. That's cool. But like, that was not like the reason I enjoyed this issue. Like that kind of felt like, especially because the villain didn't mean anything. It was just like this faceless monster. And we understand why by the end, but it, it didn't like add any, 
I understood why it was there, but I didn't add any like context that like reshaped the battle for me. It was just a fun fight scene. It was it was fine. The stuff I love though is the back and forth stuff, and even like the Ben Urich letter, like at the end, like that whole the 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 article he wrote and all that stuff. That stuff's so cool, and that's why I love this version of the X Men. But just as an overall issue, I will say for being X Men number one and launching this team, I wouldn't say it like knocked me out of the park. You know. It's kind of hard to follow the the last like X Men launch, and this is not a launch. It's within all the Krakoa, the Hickman scope of things. But you know, it is hard to come on the heels of everything that's happened. I think that this X Men, first of all, the X Men series, which has been kind of a misfire for me since they did the Dawn of X stuff, uh, and just keeping it in the Summers family, I thought that was a misfire. This has been a kind of relaunch, and I think what I asked myself going into this book was what is this X-Men going to be? How is it going to do something different with X-Men? And it did that. And, and I think that the Megazord fight actually showcased this the best because I said, if nothing else, what Hickman has done to X-Men that no other Marvel creator has done before is that he got that mutants are this community and that community aspect is kind of the most distinct, important thing about them. And so that now you have mutants battling and they don't just battle with individual mutant characters and their individual powers. It's about them kind of working in coordination as this, as this, as this unit or these teams. And this Megazord fight was really cool because first of all, Pepe Larraz's action imagery is second to none. I mean, he's just like nailing it. Like his action imagery is so just from the choices, like seeing Rogue fly and seeing the asteroid like framed up above her as she's flying under it. Is this coming in? Just visuals like that are awesome. But just seeing this X-Men team use their powers collectively as a team to form this and run this Megazord is the difference, right? Like this is the difference between other X-Men books. X-Men had like danger room scenarios together and all that crap, but like them using their mutant powers coordinatedly and, and being this formidable kind of force is good. And it makes sense for why we got the characters that we got. And it's seeing them work together. Like, I don't think Sync has ever been more interesting than he's been in this comic book. Uh, 90s Rogue is really good to see back. Um, yeah, it, it's an unexpected team of people put together, but it highlights each of them in ways that I think they've been lacking before as representation, like Polaris, Sync, uh, even I like what they're doing with Lorna in this and the, in the kind of version of Lorna they've chosen the more badass out there, Wolverine ish Laura, as opposed to kind of the sullen goth Laura, um, like all of that. And they all, I, I like this team dynamic and they're interesting to me together. So I, I am kind of on board with this, but, uh, the villain stuff, I thought the villains were murky because there's like a villain at the beginning. And I don't, is that the same guy at the end? Cause that was kind of confusing to me. Yeah. I was confused about that too. I didn't, I didn't understand that. Yeah, I don't know if they are the same person. Cause like one, I mean, it, it seems to, he might be because it's all about changing the human form and evolving it. But that part was a little murky kind of the beginning and the end with the villain. I liked all the stuff in the middle with the X-Men meeting Ben Urich and the treehouse and why he kind of susses out why they're doing on the treehouse and all that. And, and their fight with this mysterious monster. So I liked all the stuff in the middle and I'm kind of intrigued because I, I feel like the X-Men as a unit are going to be different than I've seen them before. So yeah, 
Janelle, Three, you're always yeah. pretty yeah. controversial about X-Men. How'd you feel about this one? Oh, gosh. X-Men is not my wheelhouse. I always admit it. I feel like it's a very hard uh, comic to get into if you have not been reading it for a long time. Um, so I don't have a lot of context or anything. I was pleasantly surprised. I'm intrigued by this book. Um, I really am into this villain. I, thank God you had me reading everything going on with Mars prior so that I understood why it's important that, you know, the mutants took over Mars and he's upset about it. And it's just really, I, I thought it was really cool. It was laid out pretty cool. I, again, with you guys, I wish I understood how he tied into the end, the villain. I'm more intrigued by the villain than anything else, honestly, in this book. I just want to know more about him and like what he's doing and how he changed his entire body so that he could live on Mars. And it's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Um, it's just a really cool idea. But I, 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 what I was thinking is that he was just partaking in the gambling thing that they were doing. Like he was there as well with all the bad people. Like I, I, that's what I thought. Like maybe he's there and he's just like looking and watching and seeing what everybody's doing and kind of pulling the strings of like, Oh, let's go after earth a little bit more. I don't know, but uh, really excited to see where it goes from here. This is probably one of the more refreshing books for me for X-Men. I, I was more into this than most awesome. and surprised because when I had it in the inbox, I was like, Oh, freaking they picked X-Men again. Like, <laughs> I know when I when yeah. uh, when I bring up X-Men, Janelle like like grimaces. And when I bring up Green Arrow or very long books, Kofi gets mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was Nobody needs surprised. A Nobody needs a hundred pages of Green Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, all right. Uh you guys just want to do Matt, you want to touch on Wonder Girl really quick? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it was, it, it feels like it's been a while since we actually talked about the debut of Wonder Girl. That issue knocked it out of the park for me. Um, I was just as, I was just as riveted by like the overall kind of, uh, macro plot in this one of all the, you're seeing all the different factions kind of react and now they're kind of crossing paths as they try to track her down all for their various reasons. Um, you're still kind of trying to get a handle on why, you know, this kind of what this prophecy is and like why her coming out of hiding and stuff is such a, is such a big deal. Um, I, I mean, and this also, this issue is gorgeous. Like the, the end, the opening scene and the ending scene are like stunning. Like this is so much, this book is gorgeous. Uh, what I will say is like, this didn't have quite as much Yara as I wanted. Uh, that first issue had a lot, like it just, had a lot of her like she was clearly the focal point and here we kind of expanded that a little to some of the other supporting bits and players and they're just not as interesting and as personable and just all out likable as she is so like every time she's on a page it's like it's it's money like it, it can't it can't go wrong and it's just so interesting and then when she's not the other stuff has to kind of be on a different tier to kind of keep that bar up and sometimes it just it's just not as interesting but i still really enjoyed this issue a lot i mean i i would easily recommend it. i still love this series that's me i don't have a dog in the fight i just want to say very quickly some of my my favorite art i've seen in a little i love the art in this wonder girl book thought it was really really neat and its use of paneling was some of the most effective I've seen in a while from, especially from one of the big two books, it, it, it helped itself move very creatively and very fast. Yeah. Joel Jones just it was very, it, it's exceptional to look at. 
If yeah, oh, yeah. Yara Floor is, I mean, the character just from the character design to just her personality just steals the show every single time. It, it's pretty amazing stuff. Like, yeah, uh, she's one of my favorite new characters by far. So she's awesome, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, I just want to shout out a couple other comics, not to hijack Matt's column, but I did a lot of reading this week and I want to shout out a couple things. Um, the nice house on the lake continues to be great series. I, I know you put that on our radar. I actually took that up and read it. Man, that one's a mind screw. That's when James Tinian Ford can actually <laughs> put a lot of that wordiness to good use. That's a great series. Uh, if you guys haven't read that, if you want a good sci-fi read this summer, read DC's Black Label, uh, the, the Nice House on the Lake. Uh, great, great sci-fi series. Really, really kind of head trip series. Awesome. Um, I read that. Uh, the end of Batman Fortnite or Batman Fortnite. Yeah, it came up. Uh well, I wasn't thrilled with some of the last few issues as, as the first issues. It stuck to landing and still managed to deliver a gut punch emotionally to the Batman Catwoman story. Was which good. was like, yeah, still this series, one of the best Batman stories I've read in a while from the detective stuff to the Catwoman relationship stuff and just, you know, defining Batman to the snake eyes fight. Man, this has been a journey. This Batman Fortnite series is way better than it ever had business being. But here we are. Um, and, uh, what else to read? Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters is still going on, still entertaining. Check that out as well. And I think that's as far as I am. I haven't read everything yet. I still got so much Batman stuff to read this week. So, uh, yeah, big stuff yeah, happening in comics. Great. It, yeah. I, it, I will I will second that. It, I wasn't like the whole overall issue was probably one of my least favorites, but that whole story arc right there, that part with them. And that, you know, do we go? Do we not? Do we stay? Oh, we should have stayed. Like, oh, oh man, that was, that was excellent. Like, that's that so good. Uh, so, yeah, very much recommend. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation, guys. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we put up new episodes every Wednesday at or Fridays now. Oh, my God. On Fridays at noon Eastern time. We are live. It's okay. I know we are live on Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. If you miss the video show, they'll be replayed on those platforms. If you just want the audio, we're on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or tell smart home device. Play Comic Book Nation podcasts. It'll fire up for you. Follow us at Comic Book Nation on Twitter. Or if you want to just hit us up individually, I'm at Kofi Outlaw. I'm at Aguilar CB. I'm at Janelle Wheeler. I'm at Charlie Ridgely. Thank you guys for tuning in. We hope you guys have a great Marvel-tastic weekend watching Black Widow. Movies are back, baby. We're getting back to life here. It feels good. And uh, I'm excited. MCU, I tweeted this out, but I am genuinely happy. I mean, for the trolls, the crazy theories, the trending topics. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for MCU Twitter to be fully back this weekend. I'll be jumping in. See you guys out there. It's been great. It's been fun. This is Comic Book Nation. We'll see you again next week. Peace. Deuces. Bye, guys.